G'day there and welcome to uh, another episode of the Christian Women in Business podcast show. I am so excited to share this podcast with you today because we have one of our wonderful speakers that's going to be joining us at conference, which, by the way, I thought I was in this week, last week with last week's podcast and the early bird tickets don't finish last week. They finish this week. So if you haven't already grabbed your ticket, um, now's the time. Um, Cut-off day is Friday. So let's get into it. This wonderful person is on a mission to change the world, which I absolutely love. And her favorite thing to do on the weekend is uh, beach with the family and eat cheese. So if you're a cheese lover, this lady is going to be your lady. Um, and her business is called, actually, she's got two businesses. So there's Olive Louise Social and The Bell um, evolution welcome to the podcast show jessica oh my gosh i freaked out nunda Nenda. Nenda. but you did pretty well oh no gosh. one can get it right it's my <laughs> last name and i'm pretty convinced i don't even say it right so don't even stress <laughs> welcome to the show beautiful lady thank you i'm so excited to be here long time listener oh that's so cool that's so cool i feel like how long have we been going now three more than three years so mm. yeah it's we've interviewed a lot of people from yeah. four different places in the world and you are joining us today from Brisbane I am Brisbane through and through Brisbane now did you and you're going to tell us a little bit about your story but did you grow up in Brisbane or no I didn't I actually grew up in Adelaide in um, a very notorious place called Elizabeth but my family are one of the original generations of Victor Harbour which is a um, a bit of a tourist destination down there a coastal town so I spent a lot of time there and actually moved to Brisbane when I was about 13 but moved back to go to university and um, lived in Victor Harbour again which was which was really interesting um, but there's no place like Brisbane I love it here I'll never leave <laughs> that's so cool what a fun family heritage thing to have yeah that's, um, that's really special so Jessica is going to be joining us at conference as one of the guest speakers and um, she's going to tell us a little bit about her story in just a little bit uh, but her section in the conference is all about kind of leadership and building a team basically and mm what we want to do in the session is to really encourage you that we get that every business is different and is at different sizes and everyone has different visions. So this isn't a kind of session to say everyone must grow a team and, you know, all down to you and what God's given you in your vision. But for those that are kind of sat on the fence that are thinking, actually, I'd really like to grow into something more than just me working in the business this session Mm -hmm. is going to be for you because it's taking you kind of behind the scenes um, what it's really like to build a team uh, wisdoms golden nuggets uh, what to think about and to go ahead and take the leap of faith and to do it so um, I'm so excited that you're going to be sharing all about this at conference Jess 
Yeah, me too. It's something so relevant even now in my journey as we double our team this year. Um, but whether you have a VA or even an accountant, there, I think there's so many triggers for business women when you think of carrying a wage or a commitment for someone else. It sort of just triggers all these anxieties that you might not have even know you had and still does sometimes. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing on that. Yeah, that's cool. I can't wait. Now, can you please tell us a little bit about um, the story that you've gone on in your business and um, Mm. kind of where it started and the journey that God's taken you on um, up Mm. to now? Yeah. Um, I have a bit of a rags to riches story in terms of, of business. My, I always have worked uh, since I think I was 11 when I convinced my dad to pay me to, to clean office equipment in his business. Um, I've always just, you know, wanted more out of life and, and was in a hurry to get it. Um, and every job that I ever had, I became a, you know, McDonald's. I was a crew trainer within the first month and I, I worked in retail and I was the area manager. And my husband, I, as I got married very young, um, I was married by 20, said to me, you should start your own business. He's always been entrepreneurial. And I can remember saying, no, you've got to have a unique thing that no one else has, or you've got to <laughs> yeah. have all this money in the bank to invest in a product. If it was that easy, everyone would do it. Um, and they are words that I eat often, not to say it's easy, but it, it definitely is not the perspective. Um, so fast forward about six years, I was working um, in quite a successful career in sales and performance management, management and um, sort of business development, I guess. And was traveling all over the world um, and had just become really stale and toxic in how much I was giving this company and how little I was getting back. Um, And I fell pregnant with my third child and I was over 130 kilos on the verge of divorce. I was so unhappy. I was so depressed. um, And I just knew that I, I could not put another baby in daycare five days a week and travel for, you know, all over the world for weeks at a time. And so I had actually met another mum at school who said to me, oh, there's something in this social media thing and I don't have all the skills. Will you do it with me? And I said, no way. That's a terrible (laughs) idea. Who would do that? Um, But she kind of wore me down and asked me to come and consult. And at that point I thought, well, what else have I got? I'm going to go do it. And um, I would go and consult her. And then two weeks later I I was doing hours in the business and a month later I had bought in. And um, we doubled the business every year, um, including this year, which is a a pandemic year. And and I'm so, so proud of that. and yeah, we now are a fully fledged digital marketing company. We are a team of nine and we pride ourselves on being really innovative and doing things differently and, and delivering results. But we also pride ourselves on being a team of working mothers and working women, proving that business can be done differently. So we are completely remote. Um, we are unapologetically working mums. So the likelihood of you seeing a screaming toddler running naked through our Zoom meeting is very high. Um, <laughs> And, you know, we are unapologetically who we are um, in both aspects, being innovative and pushing forward and delivering results, but also not being afraid to finish work early and go to a school assembly or to take that time that we need um, and and hoping to, to change people's thinking around what conventional business can look like. Um, and, and in that journey, I guess in, in my pit of, of business owner, that sounds really great and rosy, but it definitely had so many challenges and um, 
at a point where imposter syndrome started to really swallow me and I just, I couldn't call ourselves a marketing agency. I just felt like, you know, I didn't have a university degree. I could not be a marketing agency despite the fact I was doing it at that point Um, and just felt like I was never going to get out of this really difficult rhythm. I went to um, an award ceremony and uh, was at just the lowest point. And, you know, when you're forced to tell your story and really recognize, you know, where you've come from and what you've done and meet other women of that in that same space and, and heard from some speakers, and I stupidly won this award, totally didn't really go there for that. I, I really had a I don't care at this point attitude about the whole thing. Um, it was such a defining moment for me around the fact that I'm actually successful because I'm brilliant. I'm not successful because, you know, I was in the right place at the right time or I'm good at talking and I'm, I'm convincing people to hire me. I actually don't know what I'm doing. I'm brilliant and I work really hard to be brilliant. And um, God just empowered me so much through that moment. And I thought, you know what, we have to get better at doing this for each other. We have to get better as women at the way we treat each other and the way that we build community, the way we tell our stories, but more importantly, the way we talk about the things that are hard because there are very specific needs that are hard for women um, in business. And it's, it's, you know, many of us have a really archaic approach to the way we think about business and what it takes to be successful in business. And so I started the Bell Evolution again, a little bit of an accident, but I just just knew there were people in my circle who were hurting at that time. Um, you know, women having to deal with, you know, fertility issues and run a business and the effects that that has, you know, women who were financially insecure in their uh, marriages that were going badly, women who were just struggling to separate emotions from business. That's something that we, we are told to do all the time, but physically it's not what we're built to do. We're built to be mothers. Whether or not you have children or not is irrelevant. We, our mind, our bodies, our neurosystem, everything is built to be nurturing carers. And when you put that into a conventional business model, if we don't hardwire well, things start to frizzle and fry. So I just wanted to start this conversation um, through events and, and they're very unnetworky. It's a big party where you're not allowed to sell yourself, but you come and you talk about what you're struggling with and you find empowerment in that community. And that's gone absolutely gangbusters this year. Uh, we now, we did a, a full year of events, um, a couple of months break with COVID, but it's really taken off and it's really, it, it is changing the world. And I'm, I'm so, so proud to say that hundred percent it's so needed um and i think it's great what you're doing and being able to mix the both um kind of businesses or skills should i say together as well is a real advantage for you because not only can you put into the women from i know what it's like to be a mom and you're not just a mom of one you're a mom of how many kids four four Hello. That's still really hard to say. Can I just? <laughs> I'm a mum of four. <laughs> so oh, busy life, anyway. Um, yeah. You get what it's like to run a business um, and juggle mm. all those things. You get what it's like to be a wife. Um, you know, it's it is coming at it with a uh, a real realism. Keep using the word real, but it is that. Mm. It's it is about you know it's kind of the things that even though we're in 2020 there's still real taboo subjects out in the business realm 
Uh, and we're in, we have such a fishbowl mentality. I'm, I'm going to wig out and nerd out a little bit, but I promise I'll, I will get off this soapbox relatively quickly. No, 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 no. no. But if, it's, it's also so relevant to your movement and your conversation because if you look back through history, there's always these massive historical events that push us forward. You know, the wars were a huge one where women had to work yeah. and we were suddenly recognised as someone who could work really successfully and our role was no longer to be the housemaker and because we were working in male, predominantly male jobs, we had to wear pants and stop the expectation of skirts. And so there were all these historical events that pushed us forward and we've really stopped that progression and we have a really awful fishbowl mentality about it. And I remember when I started these events, I would say, I'm not a feminist. Like I can't stand women just complaining all the time. It's not that bad. I like the feeling that my man looks after me. I like the feeling that I'm the mother and I'm a homemaker. And, you know, I don't know why women complain about that. But the more I pride myself a lot on, on not speaking uneducatedly. I, I feel the weight of having women come to my events and, and let me speak into their lives very heavily. And the more research mm. I do, the more I realise, well, hang on, there's so many things that are blatantly, obviously not okay that we, ha- we don't even recognise. And one of the things that stood out for me is if you go back and count in all of the children's movies that released in the last 12 months, there's not a single representation of a working mother. In the last five years, there was one and she was part of the problem all mothers in children movies are these stay-at-home mums and that's such a small thing but you think of the social conditioning that does to our little people never seeing a strong role model work um so anyway I'm off that that soapbox but but it's about recognizing that we have different capacities as women I have a very low capacity for patience when it comes to my children I love them dearly but I cannot be that mother that reads school books the word is cat just hurry up and say I cannot do it I cannot do it and I can recognize that about myself and love them in other ways and I have a huge capacity for people and work and productivity and other people don't and that's okay but we are allowed to make that decision and recognize our capacity capacities are based on who we are and what brings us joy and what God's called us to be not the fact that we have a vagina seriously which can sometimes get in the way of business sometimes let's be honest (laughs) more often than not (laughs) plumbing hormones and I I feel like we're on completely the same wavelength like I always say I'm not a feminist I absolutely love blokes like my husband is beautiful he's kind he's generous you know he's supportive and I think there's a role for both men and women. And just because we're Christian women in business doesn't mean that we hate guys at all. It's quite the opposite. I'm always championing men on to do things that they want to do too. And I know that there's a lot of males that listen to this podcast and you're probably listening now. And, you know, we're here for you too. Like, yes, we're a group of women. And if you came to our events, you would probably feel that you are full of a room at the estrogen. Um we need guys in the marketplace. We still need guys in politics. You know, we need guys at home. And I, I don't want to soften men up either. Like God's made men to be fierce warriors, protectors, to have anger. And they're all important emotions to have just as much as women are nurturing. You know, we are emotional. and Absolutely. Um, but mixed together, like they're pretty powerful um, I used to work in a, a role as a PA to a fellow and um, I would basically be 
his nurture side of what he like he was kind and gentle and all that kind of stuff but he just didn't pick up on some of the emotional IQs I guess a woman would pick up on and Mm -hmm. I was able to say hey you know I think you know you might need to go and speak with so and so they're just not having a very good day today and working as a tag team to do that was really powerful and it there's so many stories Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. There are so many stories like that. And and I feel like I've found my soulmate in talking to you about this because I just did a post about this yesterday. It's 100% not about women are better, men are wrong, or that we want jobs just because we're women and we need to even the scale. We need men to champion female-led businesses and change their thinking as much as we need to change our thinking. And sometimes that is the opposite of feminism and recognize that men are actually better at some jobs than women. Yeah. You know, look, if there was an axe murderer running down my street with an axe, I am totally okay with a hundred pound, six foot male going and dealing with that. I do not need to be involved. Whereas, you know, there are times where, uh, and statistically, you know, men make often, and I'm going to make people a little bit mad saying this, but this is what I do. This is very stereotypical, but men make better uh, emergency surgeons because in that moment, they see wires, they see numbers, mm. they see, um, you know, logistics. We see somebody's father, yeah. you know, we, yeah. Yeah, and that cannot be great in that scenario. And then the tables are flipped. There are so many studies done on Fortune 500 companies where women are, um, a larger percentage of women are in leadership or on the board of directors or CEOs and directors, and they increase creativity, staff engagement, client retention, things that benefit from relationship and nurturing. So it is as much as about men understanding that you know, we just may not fit the conventional business model that was made for men because it started with men. But mm. if we can allow ourselves to be challenged by this fishbowl mentality, uh, you know, that perhaps a woman's role doesn't look like a nine to five, or perhaps they don't have to separate emotions from business. Or yeah. Perhaps they, you know, <laughs> some of these really archaic ideas, um, as much as it's, it's not challenging a man's ego to be led by men, women, that's a really big thing. And I did a, a podcast with my husband because when I do a public speaking event or I'm at an event, one of the biggest things I get asked is where is my husband and what does he think about, you know, me changing the world? And, and that often means he's at home making dinner and, and taking the lead with our family. Um, and I thought, well, I'm going to ask him and record it so people stop asking me. But he, <laughs> so much came out of that podcast that I didn't know because, you know, it just became our rhythm of life. We'd never really sort of analysed where it came from. And he talked about his journey of having to wrestle with providing for my family doesn't mean money. Providing for my family means so much more than money. And my role doesn't challenge my masculinity because I'm not necessarily the breadwinner all the time um and that I think is a huge thing that's massive yeah yeah that's absolutely massive that's huge it's huge I often think you made me chuckle um with what you said a little while ago with if the if a guy came with an axe um I'm literally like if something happens I used to be better I don't know if it's just as you get older you just I've moved more into freeze mode when stuff happens than react mode and um I do I play with resin art with ink and ink the alcohol inks like alcohol is very flammable Mm. (laughs) I was torching this um piece once and it just blew up in flames and I was like 
oh my gosh there's a fire and then I just stood there just staring at it not doing a thing and luckily my husband was in the room and he was like he just grabbed whatever like and put it out and I was like in the split second that I just recognized as a fire he already knew just what to do and put it out and yeah. I just think oh my gosh same with the next murderer if they came at me I would just stand there like I would be yeah. useless. absolutely you know, it, useless. I think it's this you in that moment like have just defined I guess my core belief that God made us differently yeah. and that's really understanding our primal instincts you know men are protect provide hunt women are find caveman who's doing said protecting providing and <laughs> his babies you know that that is our primitive instincts and that that's not going to change to some degree it'll evolve but god made us that way and the battle needs to stop being we're the same as men we're not yeah. and enjoy that because yeah. i don't want to shave my face no. i don't want to have to do a lot of things i have to do although that but seems I... to be coming really fast now i'm aging <laughs> yes. you know four kids and a little black head pop up everywhere but um i think that the conversation is one isn't better than the other whether that's the workforce or in the home scenario and even within women there are more women who are called to to and fulfilled by being a stay-at-home mom and that's a powerful thing and that's what their family needs that's what God has called them to be and there are women who are called to to change the world and that loving their family looks different it's not better it's not worse it's not divine just you know defined by gender um or any of those things it's just different and I think that um my message is is you know, do that work with God and find out what you're called to be instead of what society's telling you you should be. And mm. often that is such a subconscious thing. You don't even realize society is telling you to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And even the girls and women out there that perhaps even having a family isn't on your radar. Like we've been married 10 years and we don't have kids yet. And mm. um, that's okay. Like even absolutely. if you... Um, a thing that kind of gets me and I don't I know a lot of people are mums so please hear me right when I say this but the whole mumpreneur movement is actually quite I want to say confrontational maybe that's not the right word I'm not sure what the right word is but if you're a female and like myself you've been going strong for business you're going strong for God and family just hasn't entered um the phase or season yet (laughs) I might call it that way like it can it can make you feel like you're not succeeding because you're not balancing all those things or you don't have the badge of honor of being a mum but I want to encourage you as well if you're that listener I get it and you are still doing a fantastic job like leading a movement and leading um, whatever it is that you're doing in your vision and your mission is so important. And it's okay for you to do that even without a family and be okay with that. And like Jess has said, what is your normal? What is okay for you and not what society is telling you to do? Um, Because God's got you exactly where he needs you. And that's okay. Okay, so lots of different, I think there's just so much different demands on women in so many different angles 
that puts lots of different pressures on in lots of different ways. And I think you really hit the nail on the head, Jess, where you said, you know, you've really got to find what that is for you, not anyone else, not the influence of old beliefs, what society Mm. says, but Mm. just you and God and what Mm. is that for you. Mm. Exactly. And I think as women, we are not as kind to each other in this space as we need to be. And I think that that is what is so great about the communities we're both building is we're challenging that. And quite often our instinct, and even if you think back to those primal caveman days, if you've got your caveman who's the best hunter, you don't want other women around your caveman. So, you know, it's a primal instinct that when we see another woman doing things differently and sometimes doing things better, I'm saying this very softly because it can be really hard to hear, our initial instinct is to compare and to look for fault. Um, And that doesn't mean we're bad people. It means that we've just got a bit of work to do and we've got a bit of work to do with God on that because it is so common to challenge people's mothering choices, to challenge people's life choices, sometimes perfectly innocently, but it's not okay to speak into those things sometimes. And, um, yeah, it's a big part of what the Bell Evolution is, fighting that instinct that when you see somebody doing something that you really want to do, instead of going, oh, they did it, you know, they did it easily or they bought this or they, you know, didn't do that, ask them how they did it and turn mm-hmm. that around. And I can remember if I can tell a story at this same Absolutely. conference that I, that I was at. It was such a defining moment for me and I'm not proud of it, but it's really representative of this space I was in. So being an award ceremony, you go and you get a list of everyone else that was there and I had this list of the other finalists and I had Googled everybody on that list, particularly those in my industry. And there was one in my industry and in my, my place um, in the same state that really spoke to me. They used really similar messaging as us, really similar product offering and speaking to the same clientele. I really loved what they were doing and it irritated me. It got me on the warpath and I was emailing my team saying, we've got to look at this and we've got to up our game. And I was so, so sick in that time. And anyway, I went there and I just had this, you know, I don't care attitude about the whole thing, but you know, really felt God using people in that room to, to change my thinking. And I, when I won, it's the first time you sort of see people's faces match up to the names. You know, it's a, there's 700 odd people there. Um, I got off the stage and this woman came up to me. She's nearly in tears saying, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, I've, I've wanted to meet you for so long. You are the reason I started my business. You, <laughs> I had a baby at the same time as you guys and my friend got me on to you and I've watched you build your business because I literally built my business as I had a child. It was a really full on time and I thought, well, if they can do it, I can do it and I built this business and I'm just so, so thankful to have met you. And it was the same lady that I was flopping out (laughs) over her website. In that moment, I changed my thinking around what imposter syndrome does comparison breeds you know angst it is just the most unhealthy healthy thing and um yeah now every time I get that inkling in my feeling if I'm scrolling my Instagram feed and I see another marketer doing something really cool I send them a message it's it's a thing that I've committed to every time I meet someone I think oh man they're doing something great I go and talk to them and that that 
move alone, I think has been one of the biggest contributors to my growth that I don't let that feeling sit with me that I'm, and it's jealousy and it's healthy. And I think you talk to that, you know, we, we can get jealous. That's okay. It's what drives us. We're competitive people. If we weren't, we wouldn't have businesses. It's part of our DNA as entrepreneurs. Um, But what you choose to do with that, I feel is such a defining moment for you as a business owner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I see it time and time again. We kind of um, have a saying uh, within CWIB is we always send people off with a blessing. Um, And it's kind of a similar thing, but different approach, I guess. And that's, let's just say someone did an event um, and copied what we were doing rather than your first reaction is jealousy, anger, how dare they, right? Let's be honest. Like you're saying, you are going to feel that jealousy and then it's quickly snatching that thought and going, actually, God, bless them. You know, they're doing something really cool. Like send them away with a blessing, not a cursing. And how can you change um, the curse to a blessing? And how can you see things from a kingdom perspective that God is in control? He knows what's going on. He's the one that dishes the anointing in business anyway. And um, B, I guess it's stepping up into that maturity as well of going, you know what? You're doing great. We're all in this together. Like, let's champion you on and send you away with a blessing. Yeah. Um, and often, and I, oh, sorry. Sorry. I also think that speaks so relevantly to, to that point that I spoke on before about recognizing you are brilliant and called to do this. Because when you really sit in that, and it's something I'm feeling at the moment so much with my events is actually two people copying my speakers and my wording down to a T. And I just, it doesn't phase me at all because I know that I bring something to these events that God has given me and I'm meant to do them. And it doesn't even phase me anymore because you, you are brilliant and you're brilliant because God has made you that way. And if God has made them brilliant in that way, it's perfect. They, you know, that it's all going to fall into plan. I think that that um, fear of people copying you often comes from when you feel unworthy. Um, yes. I heard yeah. a speaker at an event recently. She's actually the uh, founder of Urban List. Um, if you've heard of Urban List here in Brisbane, it's a massive publication that, um, you know, documents local food food locations or, or the happenings. It's very well known. And she said very few people talk about imposter syndrome, but not many understand what it is. And she described it as um, it's when you think that your capabilities are yay big, say it's the size of a tennis ball, but you feel the rest of the world think it's yay big and say it's the time of a basketball and you (laughs) live in constant fear that everyone is going to figure out that your talent, your capabilities are actually the tennis ball size and the feeling that you're constantly tricking them and are a fraud um, is suffocating, whereas and it's not that the rest of the world needs to realize you're actually a tennis ball. It's that you have to realize you're a basketball. Oh, wow. That's so powerful. Yeah. And I think for me that that award journey, not winning the award, but having to tell my story and talk about why I was successful, which I'd never done before. We don't sit at home as, as entrepreneurs <laughs> going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assess my financial growth since the start of my business and talk about what contributed to that. You know, it's you've got to move to be the size of the tennis ball. And when you do that, sorry, the basketball, when you do that, when other people copy you, go, it's fine. I'm the basketball. 
I know that I am as good as everything points to, to being um, and it, it doesn't bother you anymore. And that's a journey. That's a lot of work, a lot of work. I would love to tell you that it's that simple that you just go, right, well, I'm going to be the basketball now. <laughs> You're not. It, it's flopping hard. It, it challenges your self-worth. It challenges your relationship with God. It challenges your relationship with your family. Let's let's just call out whether it's mum guilt, partner guilt, dog mum guilt, housework guilt. You know, it, yeah. they are constantly juggling um it it is the most challenging thing but I believe it's the difference between the entrepreneurs that you know uh work for themselves and probably will their whole life and retire relatively happily and it's the entrepreneurs that are global global successes Mm. is do you live your life feeling like the tennis ball when everyone thinks you're basketball or do you realize you're the basketball and and all of the organic things that happen when that happens that's so good that's so Mm. good thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing these absolute gems of wisdom it's been so powerful and I know the listeners are going to be getting so much from it I know I am we're going to ask more of you now can you please share with us um, the five tips on your craft that can help our listeners today So I'm going to go into some marketing because I feel like it is the angst of all business owners ever then, (laughs) particularly at the moment with um, the pandemic coming coming to fruition this year. Um, I think people are more confused than ever, ever around what exactly you should be doing. And um, I'm going to walk you through that because, you know, Google and and YouTube and your Facebook feeds give you a hundred answers. The first one is a cliche marketing thing to say, but very true. You need to understand your financial goals in a marketing sense. So I am making 10,000. I need to be making 20,000. And that is an increase of $10,000. You then need to take it a step further and go, well, hang on a minute. How do I already make my current 10,000? I have a conversion rate on my website of X. I get referrals at this rate a month that convert for an average sale of X. And you need to crunch those numbers so that you end up with, in order to make this $10,000, I need to reach X amount of people and have them convert at X. Now, that's a big ask. I know a lot of business owners are thinking, how the flop do I do that? But I promise you, you have all the data there. If if you are an e-commerce-based website, that's a lot easier to figure out, but everyone can. Um, But for the sake of the exercise, I'm going to use an e-commerce-based website. So if you have 20,000 people a a week visiting your website and they convert at 2%, for example, um, you just need to work backwards from that. So if I had 40,000 people converting at 2%, I would need you know, that would be my 10K. Um, so if that formula doesn't work for you, not an e-commerce business, you then just need to look at where your business comes from and what that conversion rate is and how many people do you need to reach. And the reason that's so important is because when you start marketing, you're going to decide how many people are you going to reach and how. So if you don't have those numbers of what you actually need to do to make your business work, this is when you hear things like, I invested in Facebook ads but didn't get anything from them or I didn't see an ROI. You didn't know what ROI you were asking for, so you were never going to see that. You didn't build a strategy based on the ROI you needed, so you were never going to get that in the first place. So that's a really big one that people miss. My second tip is know your people. Now, this is again, a really, really cliche thing. And the words client avatar or or target market profile jump to mind. They're really boring. Know how they feel would be my biggest thing. 
How do they feel? How do they feel and how do they understand the product that you're asking them to understand? And this is something that you and I have been talking about, Sarah, Mm. and it's about, you know, how does the Christian woman right now in business feel after the year we've been through in a pandemic? If you try and sell me something in a pandemic, you're really going to give me the bugs. And I saw so many businesses do this wrong. In that moment where a lot of our businesses had to change really quickly, nobody stopped and thought about how their people feel. And again, as a woman, it's one of our natural things. See what I did there? Tied it all around. Um, It's one of our natural things is to just stop. How does your customer feel? And I saw people so focused on their own businesses, practically begging for virtual, what did I see? Uh, A virtual home renovation assessment. Literally three days after this pandemic has happened, you're asking me to have a virtual person come and tell me all the things wrong with my home that I'm going to be stuck with. Hold on a minute. Just stop. Do your people really want that? Swimsuits. Okay. It's the middle of winter. We can't travel and I'm fearing for my income, but you want me to buy a swimsuit. What is that doing for your brand trust? And that is the same when we, uh, if I can use your business example, the conference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Just talking through as a business owner, what I'm seeing on my feed as a Christian woman, I'm being targeted by resources and coaches. And after a while, it's going to get really repetitive and also a bit annoying and feel very materialistic. So what can we say about your brand that's going to make that feel different? And so I think there's a million examples that I use in my business as a marketer. If you're a business owner, you are being spammed by marketing ads. How can I speak to you differently, recognizing how those ads are making you feel? So it's not about knowing where they live, how many kids they have, giving them a fake name, how old are they? Yeah, sure. Some background information around that's important. But the crooks of it is how do they feel? How, what are they being influenced by and what is their journey? And that is a really, really important thing. Step number three is actually knowing what to do when you have that information. Um, We have a wheel. You can find it on our website if it's useful, but I'm going to give it to you here. And there's six things everyone needs to do. The first one is have a content marketing strategy. So people who are looking for you can find you. That's Google, Facebook, and Instagram for most businesses. And then if you are a personal-based brand, you also need to add LinkedIn. And if you are an educative brand, you need to add YouTube. It is that simple. People love to get crazy about Pinterest. Sure, go for it. Build a Pinterest board if you feel the need. But statistically, everyone who's on Pinterest is using Facebook and or Instagram. So it is very much um, a third way of meeting people. So um, first one, organic posting strategy. I could talk all day on that on itself, but as long as you're there, a large portion of the work is done. The second one is having a website that converts. That is an art in itself. You need to make sure that you not just have all the information that I would want. We are the generation of instant gratification. If you don't tell me exactly how much, what it looks like, what I can expect to buy from you, every answer there, I'm too lazy to reach out and ask. But secondly, you need to make sure you tell me who you are, what it is you do, who are you talking to? Who is your person that you're calling out in your business? Uh, What are their, their pain points? What are their deepest desires? And how are you going to fix that? What do you want them to do? Do you want them to email you, buy something, book a session, whatever that looks like in your business? That's a really important one. The next step in that wheel is then you need ads to drive it to both. 
And if not ads, there better be some other miracle solution, but I've never seen anything more effective than either social media or Google ads. Otherwise, you might as well open a shop in the middle of the desert and expect word of mouth to get people there. The society that we live in has changed. You need to aggressively be driving business to your website and your social media. Um, and that's, that for me is a non-negotiable for any business looking to grow their, their revenue. The next one is customer service and understanding, again, your customer journey, what they've already heard from you and what they're looking for in order to deal with that customer the correct way. So the amount of time that I see people say you've got a plumbing business, um, they research, oh, hey, I'm looking for uh, a plumber and Billy but Joe Bob, my neighbor, recommended me to you. I've got a broken toilet. When can you come? That element of trust building has already happened because they've found you organically. It's come through a referral. Whereas when they come through ads on your website, that can look a little bit differently and you actually need to stop and go, sure, what's your name? Where do you live? Oh, Carindale. I live in Carindale. I love the suburb there. Just that small, small action of taking a moment to create a personal connection will change the outcome of that conversion in a split second. So understanding what they need from that first interaction, whether it's an e-commerce brand or a face-to-face brand is really important. Next step in the wheel is getting them back to buy again at an increased average sale or item per sale. And that's normally done through email marketing, referral programs, et cetera. And the last step of the wheel is PR and collaborative marketing. And now I'm not going to say the word influencer. It's one of my pet peeves. They definitely have a time and a place, but PR and collaborative marketing is so, so much more than that. And a lot of people get a bad taste in their mouth because they'll invest in PR and it doesn't get an ROI. But again, you need to have the right ROI from that. It's unlikely to get you your first sale. It's more likely to get you the online exposure to your socials, which because you've done a posting strategy as the first step of your wheel is going to get them to your website, which is going to help convert or they're going to fall into a funnel, which is generated by your ads and you convert them through customer service and email and see that's why it's a wheel because each step feeds the next one and over time it will become bigger and fatter and so on and so forth. So knowing what to do and knowing that you need all six steps is tip number three because a lot of people put a few posts up and think that's going to work or they put a few ads up and think that's going to work or they have a killer website and they think that's going to work but you actually need to do all six. All right, two more steps authenticity is number four. If I wanted to hear a well-rehearsed sales pitch, I'd go to your website. That's what that's for. You need to be real. And it comes back to people want to do business with people. They want to trust. The pandemic has seen this behavior in consumer psychology increase even more. We want to support brands that we know and trust. So get front and center. Um, If you're not comfortable with your face being in front of the brand, there's millions of ways of doing that. But tell me the story. It is the reason why we pay so much more money to see Kim Kardashian in her fluffy slippers at the service station as we do her perfectly poised in a photo shoot. We want the real story about the people we are dealing with. And then number five is do it. (laughs) Do marketing. It blows my mind the amount of people so focused on manufacturing the right product or organizing the best event, but don't actually stop and think, well, how are people going to get there or how are my people going to pay for this? So start. You can't screw it up. Sure, you can put some stuff up that doesn't do anything, but no one sees a post that was ineffective and goes, oh my gosh, I'm never buying from that business. They posted something that didn't resonate with me. They just keep scrolling. So you've really got nothing to do to lose by trying. And the aim of the game should be do it enough 
that's creating enough awareness and revenue for you that you can outsource it as one of your first things because it is a big, time-consuming, complicated beast. Um, and I am a big believer that businesses that want to grow need somebody and not just a person, potentially a team of people because each of those six areas are very niche and very specific. So prioritize it in your business. Start by doing it yourself. And then as soon as it's a possibility for you, outsource, outsource, outsource would be my five tips in a very, very fast-spoken nutshell. (laughs) Very good. Okay, so to recap the fast nutshell, we've got one, understand your financial um, goals and um, and make sense out of them so you understand what marketing you need to do and what you need to – what visitors you'd need to get, for example, to get them to your site and the percentage of conversion. Number two, know your people. How do they feel? Um, how do they understand your product and how are they feeling now um, in a different way of living as we um, still are navigating COVID? Number three, knowing what to do once you have the information. I'm not going to go through the, the circle again, but we will pop a link um, to this on the show notes. So please go ahead and have a look at that. Um, number four, be authentic. People want to trust you and want to know that you're real and see the real story behind you and your brand and then five the most important out of all of them um if you like is to actually do something (laughs) which you can know all the stuff but if you don't do a thing with it then you know it's as good as a chocolate fire guard so get the work done employ someone if you're not good at it i've stepped up my game and gone okay i've done as much as i can now it's time to bring in the experts to help me get my businesses to the next level and i encourage you to do the same too thank you so much for sharing those tips jess they are wonderful and i hope that they um tickle you inside to take action and know that we're going before you and have done it and we're okay and we're still alive so you can do it too (laughs) absolutely so can you share with us a little bit about how do you incorporate god into your business Oh boy, this is a really tough one for me. I, up until probably um, the end of last year, called myself a closet Christian. Telling people in business world that I was a Christian was really hard for me. And I'm almost ashamed to say that uh, now, but it was. I think that it's part of that imposter syndrome and feeling tennis ball size. Um, It's also part of I think the fear that it's polarizing when you're a face-to-face business that people will assume certain things or, um, you know, not not trust you the same way, and that was a real real journey for me. Just just um, being open about who I was in a way that I could talk about it, uh, but more so live it. I guess is is my mentality, and I think that that started for me that whenever I did a public speaking gig, um, and I, I do quite a few, that I wouldn't purposefully not mention it I definitely wouldn't start preaching or anything like that but when when people talk to me about my coping mechanisms and what that means I I would say that I go to church or um you know one of the questions I get asked all the time is how do I fit it all in how do I manage it and I I have a glass ball um 
mentality that I use around my family and my life and and time with God is is one of my non-negotiable glass balls that I'll never drop and I talk about that Um, and it's hard to do in the business space there's a lot of very woo-woo mentality a lot of um, manifesting and and all of that stuff um, is very a very big trend at the moment and and this sort of speaks against that even though you know to some degree a lot of it's the same thing they manifest we pray Um, it's still asking asking for for help and putting out there what you need but it started with that and every single time I would do it, I would be flooded with people who are also Christian and didn't know how to talk about it and that really empowered me to do it more and more and more. Um, I have quite a powerful social media presence that I, I talk to a lot about being Christian and and what that means for me and how I do it and it's same as what I've just told you about marketing that nobody sees um, something you've done that doesn't resonate with them and think, oh, you know, I I hate that person or I'm not going to do it. It's the same when I put out something, then someone who's not a Christian doesn't he want it's not their time to hear that or they don't resonate with that they don't look differently on me they just scroll past but more so what people are finding is they're they're coming to me and they're talking to me um I got sat down after an event with two business women I knew really well who said so what what does it look like like how do you know God's real how do you you know what did that journey look like for you and and I asked me for my testimony and that happens more and more and more um and for me the Bell Evolution events are 100% kingdom building 100% it may not be you know asking people to commit their lives to Jesus or even referencing him but I'm I'm bringing women together and empowering them to be kinder to each other and to think differently and to to have grace. Um, and I 100% believe that is part of my kingdom building. Um, and I think the other thing that's been really struggling is how do you wrestle tough situations with grace? Um, you know, <laughs> being a, you know, for example, I have a, a customer at the moment who just doesn't want to pay an invoice for work paid uh, to the point that we had to stop work on, on her account and have, you know, repeatedly asked her for even if she needs time just to let us know what, what, what her situation is. She's just flatly ignored us and it's a significant amount of money. How do you deal with that with grace is a struggle. How do you pursue this in a graceful way? And I think a lot of people in business means we think that means just be kind. And it, it for me, sometimes it means the opposite. I think um, it means speaking up to things that are sometimes hard, but are not the right things to do. Yeah. Um, we're not, we're Christians, we're not doormats. And, you know, I, I try my best to take lead from Jesus in that he didn't walk around telling everyone they were beautiful and happy and, um, you know, perfect the way they are. He challenged them to change their thinking and to think about the way that they would like to be treated and what our father would like us to do. So um, I try to think of that mentality as grace, that sometimes Grace is not just being kind. It's challenging things that we experience, but more importantly, things we see and speaking to them, um, which is something that I, I try to do. I fail miserably at it often, but I try to do it as much as I can. That's good. That's good. It is. It's, um, I get a lot of questions. Obviously, running CWIB, people ask questions and that's, exactly what it's all about one of the the main fundamental reasons why we wanted to build a community is because um myself and megan were having these questions come up about how do we deal with situations and what does it look like and um people often do think that because they're christian they 
have to let themselves be walked all over in business. And that's absolutely not the case. And mm. God, like you said, Jesus didn't let people just get away with selling sacrifices in the church. Jesus got angry over that stuff and he expressed anger. Yes, we're not to go around um, and give people a bad reputation for what they've done and be, uh, I guess, yeah. yeah, spiteful. But you can deal with an awkward situation in a professional way that is standing your ground and it's okay to do that. Um, I, it comes up a lot in I do a little bit of mentoring on the side and um, it's something that will come up over and over again is the fear of letting people down by saying this isn't okay uh, but uh, you're more letting yourself down uh, by not taking action on the invoice that's not been paid or whatever the situation is. Um, you're putting yourself more of a sacrifice and letting yourself down more than you're letting them down and Absolutely. stepping up and putting your big girl pants on and going, no, this is a boundary that I have and this is not okay. And you've stepped over that boundary. People are going to repercuss. They're going to be angry, but never let someone else's emotions determine your emotion and mm. um, your stance and where you are, because that's not okay to let them do that. Mm. So handling it professionally, having all of your bits and bobs in place in the contracts of how you can the best you can. Uh, but sometimes it is just about saying, I'm sorry, this is just not working for me. See you later or yes. give half refund, you know, whatever it is just to, and that awkward situation where it is. And this is a whole podcast in itself, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, huge. it's so funny. Just to, just to finish the, um, that, that comment up, my children and I do a thing where we say, well, what would Jesus do? And so I'm sure many, many parents do. But the amount of times that I, I'm a very emotional person and I'm a very reactive person. Um, and one of the biggest things I've learned is to stop and just kind of say with the kids, what would Jesus do? And my daughter's um, 11. And sometimes she's the best one to talk to my business anxious with me. I'll say, I've got customer A who said they would do this and they didn't. Now, you know, this has happened. And she'll go, you know, we'll go, what would Jesus do? And the the simplicity that comes from her when I'm, you know, have made several scenarios that are hypothetical <laughs> and, and extreme in my head are so, so good. And I come back to that situation with a really different perspective. So if in doubt, it is so, so true. What would Jesus do? If Jesus saw somebody, you know, actively taking services with no intention to pay, what would he do? Would he sit there and go, well, I'm going to show grace and not say anything? Absolutely not. He would challenge them. And so I think that, and everyone's interpretation of what he would do would be different. And and I think that that's okay too. But I I um, 100% use what would Jesus do as much as, I, as my kids do sometimes. <laughs> Totally okay. Totally okay. Um, so can you share with us, uh, finally, what is your Bible verse for the season and why? Yeah, can I be naughty and share too? Of course. Um, my right. one for the year is um, everyone's favourite that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It is something that I still need to remind myself on. Uh, being in the spotlight is is challenging as much as I love it um, and women love to look for any reason sometimes to feel better about themselves. And I just need to remind myself on a daily basis that even though I talk too much and I say the wrong thing often as words <laughs> fall out of my face, that God made me so, so fearfully and wonderfully made. So that's a really, really 
um, big one for me. But my favorite this year is actually Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And I love the message version, which is, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And this is my favorite part of the whole thing. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I think, you know, the pandemic this year challenged what church looks like for everyone, what religion looks like for everyone and what your relationship with God looked like for everyone. And, um, you know, finding my rhythm as a mother of four in two businesses and finding my rhythm in my business as a Christian, learning the unforced rhythms of grace, unforced rhythms of grace is something that I've got to remind myself having a relationship with God is never hard. It should never be forced. And if it is, then you're not doing it right. Yeah, that's beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing the amazing verse and all that you've shared on this podcast today. It's been absolutely wonderful to have you come on the podcast and um, to share that grace, the grace that you've just spoken about in that verse, like you've shared all the way through this podcast, whether you probably realized it or not. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's, it is, it's, you know, all the things that we've talking about, the comparison, um, the not being walked over and we have a saying in cwib that you've come to know now it is that grace over grind it's learning that when i say no to someone i rest in god's grace when i do that when i'm feeling jealous i come back to god's grace and i walk through that like everything we do we come back to the kingdom we come back to that grace and do business from that place of rest and that that verse like ties it up perfectly And I can't wait to share on my perspective around building a team with Grace. I think that is, for me, something I've learned so much this year at the conference. I have already written it, even though it's three months away. I cannot wait. Um, I can definitely feel God speaking to me on that topic. Oh, that's so good. That's so exciting. So, listeners, if you haven't already done so, we both would love to invite you to come and join us on the 20th and 21st of February on the beautiful sunny coast. We've got rooms available on site. There's one-day entries, two-day entries. Uh, the first day is like more of a conference kind of feel, but we still have retreat sessions. And then on the Sunday, it's purely retreat and workshop sessions and just allowing that time for you to just literally, what we've just spoken about then, rest in God, to hear his voice. We've got the prophecies that Laura Lee will be sharing at the end. It is such a magical weekend and purely designed for you to come and have rest in him. Running a business is is hard. Running a family is hard. Doing both together is hard. Um, And this is a weekend designed for you just to come away and let Jesus just share his love on you. And I just know he's going to do that. He's done it every single year and he's going to be here this year too. Oh, and we have virtual tickets available. So 
you know you can't get out of your state or your country um it's all good we've got you covered cool did you want to say anything else Jess before we end the podcast today no not at all just thank you so much for having me and I think the other thing that I I would want to share is that I'm still new at this and um it's always a bit of a journey so I appreciate you giving me a platform to share what is still the very beginning of my my work walk in business and walk with God and I can't wait to meet so many of you at the conference that's gonna be good awesome well thanks so much for listening today you're listening to the christian women in business podcast show and we'll catch you next week bye for now the christian women in business podcast is proudly supported by the administration agency administrationagency.com.au